When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? The No Huddle Show. I'm Elliot Shore Parks. A new episode here with Zach Rosenblatt. Today, we talk about a lot of stuff. Obviously, the NFL draft is coming up, which means it's finally time to see what the Eagles are going to select. No more reports, no more mock drafts, except for the one we do on this podcast. We're going to go through all seven rounds here, say who we think they're going to take, what positions they're going to target, potential trades, uh, you know, to talk about that type of stuff, we, we ended up having pretty different mock drafts. I think they're going to go more defense. Zach had, uh, you know, a few offensive guys. So it's going to be, uh, we'll go back and forth with those picks. And then also we talk about the Nick Foles contract. What does it mean? Why did the Eagles do it? Um, and what does it mean about him staying on the team? Is he going to be here this time next week? Did he force the Eagles' hand? Um, you know, we'll talk about that. But before we get into the podcast, I just wanted to remind you guys, if you are listening on YouTube, we really appreciate it. Toss us that thumbs up. But go in, go in, uh, Go and subscribe on your on your uh, podcast app so you can get these episodes as soon as they come out. We're on basically all the podcast apps out there. We're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and Spreaker. So you can go, subscribe, and when you do, leave us a comment. Um, I was a little disappointed and you guys didn't get any comments last week, which meant no questions. But go in and do it. Ask a question. Uh, leave us a five-star rating, and we will answer that question on next week's podcast. So go subscribe. If you're on YouTube, toss us that thumbs up. And when you do, leave us a comment. All right, let's get into the draft talk, the No Huddle Show, new episode. Here we go. All right, what's going on, everyone? Elliot here with Zach, the No Huddle Show. Finally the week of the draft. Like I've said on the last few pods, it feels like it's really creeped up, and all of a sudden it's here. But, you know, today's Tuesday, so just two days from now, we'll be back at the NovaCare Complex for the draft. And we're recording this one with NovaCare, so it feels like last season's kind of, you know, back in the swing of things. Happy to be back at the NovaCare recording. Um, you're actually heading to Dallas later today to go to the draft. Uh, lot of, still a lot of confusion at the top top of the draft not that it impacts the Eagles a ton but like you were saying a few podcasts ago I can't remember the last time we had a draft with so much uncertainty at the top yeah I think I saw a rumor today kind of felt like it came out of nowhere that the Browns are all of a sudden consider maybe it's not all of a sudden but the rumor came out uh-huh. that they're considering Baker Mayfield at number one which I mean we've heard Josh Allen we've heard Saquon Barkley we've even heard Bradley Chubb we've heard Sam Darnold I've, I've never heard Baker Mayfield, and I, I don't know if I believe that or if that's just kind of draft maneuvering and people making stuff up to build value in another pick or something, but it, it, like if that happens, that kind of throws everything into a more intense loop, I feel like, yeah. because you know there, there's a theory that the Giants are going to take Saquon Barkley unless maybe Sam Darnold's there, so now all of a sudden you have Sam Darnold and Saquon Barkley there, and then the you know the, I just think everything will get thrown for a loop, and it, it just... It's kind of exciting. I think it'll calm down after the top ten once all the quarterbacks go and kind of right. that, that rush on, you know, we, we need to get our franchise quarterback happens. Teams maybe overtrade to move up. Maybe Lamar Jackson gets picked higher than we all think he does. So I, it, it's, it's exciting. Well, it's interesting, too, I mean, because, you know, two years ago we all knew Jared Goff and Carson Wentz were going to go one and two, and really we knew who was going to go one and who was going to go two. 
three years ago, Jameis Winston, we knew it was going to go to the Buccaneers. We knew Marcus Mariota was going to go. I mean, you, the, you know, the whole getting Mariota thing was a little before your time on the I, beat. I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. You were a college guy. Chip so Kelly you, wanted to sell the farm for him. Exactly. Right? And I thought, I thought he should have. And he tried, but he didn't get him. He was him. a but, guy. Yeah. But regardless, to me, just a quick take I wanted to talk about before we get into the Eagles. Um, obviously, this isn't, this isn't a Giants podcast, but <laughs> again, we were talking about this on the way up to record, like... The fact that the Giants might take a running back at two, to me, just boggles my mind. And I've said a lot of things about Howie, but I could say with certainty, you will probably never find Howie take a running back with the top four or five picks, just because the value is simply not there. And if you're the Giants, and you know you look at the other teams in the top five, they're probably all going to take quarterbacks. Even the Broncos might take a quarterback. So if the four te- so four of the five teams in the top five are going to take a quarterback, why are you the only one not taking it if you're the Giants? Especially when you have 37-year-old Eli Manning there. Who, yes, is a two-time Super Bowl champion, maybe a Hall of Famer, but let's be honest, has never been a regular season champ. I mean, this guy doesn't consistently lead to the Giants to the playoffs. He doesn't consistently get them 12 wins, and he's 37. So I just think it would be such a massive mistake for the Giants to take uh, Saquon at two. And I have all these Eagles fans in my mentions like, oh, well, if they take Saquon, the Eagles have to deal with them for the next you know, 10 years. Trust me, if the Giants take Saquon, you won't be dealing with the Giants at all because they will be a middling-of-the-road team again. And 45-year-old quarterback. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, what and are they doing? <laughs> in two years, they'll be in two years they'll be talking about getting a quarterback again, and they probably have to either trade up for one. Because I mean, look, they're not going to be in the top two every year with with Eli, but if, it's hard to move up from you know ten or eleven to two. That, that costs a lot of picks. So if I'm the Giants, I would simply go at two and take the quarterback. Um, my guess on the top five before we get into Eagles is I still think Darnold goes number one. I think Saquon goes two. Uh, Mayfield goes three. Four, I'm a little torn on. I guess I would probably say Bradley Chubb, although I am kind of in the camp of the uh, take two quarterbacks if you're the Browns and just hope you hit on one. Yeah, you, you might as well because they've struggled so hard. To exactly. Bring uh, five at the the Broncos. I think that could be a quarterback spot. Josh Rosen one surprised me there. And I think Josh Allen goes to the Bills at six. So I think you're going to see a lot of quarterbacks early on, and the Giants will be the one team to uh, – Screw it up and mess it up. I wish I wish Matt was here to. Uh, he he's a big Saquon guy, but uh, <laughs> I think he's a Penn State guy. But uh, yeah, no, I don't. Uh, I think that would be a huge mistake by the Giants. But getting getting back into the Eagles, kind of the the big news this week, and I know you wrote an article about it, so you have the ins and outs of it. But Nick Foles signs a, a new contract with the Eagles, um, a deal that I I've gone back and forth on what to make of it. I mean, what what do you what was your initial reaction when you saw it? So. I got a little pushback on this on Twitter, but my initial reaction was I don't. I think this puts an end to the idea that he's gonna get traded this year. I, so I that's what I thought at first too. I I, I, re- I understand like the the way the contract's worded. It's if he's a starter, but I think he had more value almost before because before he was what make he was gonna make seven mil this year, and now if he starts a certain number of games, that number jumps way up to fourteen. Right. And there's a team op. I don't know. There's a team option for twenty mil next year. I I don't think he's, he was going to get traded anyway, just because of the way the offseason went. But anyway, I think it was just the Eagles rewarding a player who did a lot of things for them last year, and it also was kind of if the if it happens again where he's playing, he has to play and start every game. He's going to get a significant amount of money for doing so. So I'm I'm on the fence. At first, that was kind of where I saw when I when I first saw the deal. My first tweet on it was, all right, well that kills the trade rumors and. I still think that probably is the case because the Eagles, uh, I mean, two years ago when they signed Sam Bradford, they gave him 
you know, I think a signing bonus of 14 million or something like that, maybe 14 million guaranteed, or I think it was 22 million guaranteed with a pretty hefty signing bonus, and they ended up trading them. So they ended up essentially buying a first round pick. Um, now the difference is they got a first and a fourth for Sam Bradford. So do I think that this this contract kills the chance of Foles being traded? Not a hundred percent, because I still think that when it comes down to it, if the Eagles get a really strong offer for Foles and it's to a place where Foles would want to go, I think it is a deal they would make. And then so you get the so you pay the, really just an additional two million, and uh, so you're essentially buying a draft pick if that were to happen. Um, now, as far as the team option, to me, the chance of that ever being no, executed, no, yeah. it, it'll never happen because that's only like worst case scenario. Carson Wentz has an injury that right. ends his career. Like that's and, the only scenario. And even that. then, I mean, right now, and things will change, but right now the Eagles are right around a million dollars in cap space for 2019. So they're extremely tight cap wise. Obviously, that that, that that will change. Michael Kendrick's probably off the books. Jason Peters, guys like that. So they'll they'll, they'll open up, you know, 15 or so million in cap space. I can't imagine a world where there, where Nick Foles is a twenty million dollar cap hit in two thousand nineteen. Even <laughs> if Carson Wentz suffers another really bad knee injury in Week One, and then Foles plays really well again, the Eagles go to the Super Bowl, maybe win it again, or, or you know Foles is not the issue. They'll just re- they'll just redo Foles' deal, and if that does happen and they don't want to, Foles will just pay two million dollars, get out of the team go option, the open market, and yeah. go on the open market. So to me, all this really does is it's a new contract that gives them. That gives Foles more incentives if he were to play. But the question I'll ask you is, why did they do this? If you're the Eagles, why? Like, why all of a sudden now? I mean, they redid Brandon Brooks' contract so they could make it happen. Um, Why? And I mean, I I questioned it too. It was the timing of it was kind of weird. I don't think they had to do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, the the impression based on the react, even just reaction from Brandon Brooks, is that they're rewarding him. Right. And I mean, I, I get it, but. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, it is it is strange because it, it kind of like makes it sound like they want him to come back next year, but not really. Right. Based on the way that the wording of the the option year is, but and yeah, I mean, it, it's it's interesting. Well, to me, here's here's my opinion of it from afar, and I haven't talked to anybody, so this is just speculation on my part. But if you're the Eagles, why are you just going to give Foles two million dollars? I mean, I understand this whole you want to reward him type thing, but let's be honest, this is a cutthroat business, which is the NFL, and Eagles are not. NFL teams don't just reward players out of the blue. I mean, at least not the good ones. And the Eagles are a good team. They're a good franchise. Howie is good at managing the cap to a certain degree. And he's not one to just – you're not just going to give out money if you're Howie. So the question is, why did they do it? And I'm wondering if maybe their hand wasn't forced. If maybe – you know, because part of the – when you saw the initial report by Mike Garofalo of NFL Network, he said, you know, as part of the deal, Foles agrees to be a happy camper and and be a backup and, you know, embrace that role. And I think he probably would have all along. But at the same time, I think Foles Camp, which uh, his his agent and him essentially, didn't want to go into the year with the same deal because had they not redone the deal, um, and Foles goes in week two, he's not he doesn't have all those incentives he would before. So the question is, you know, why why did this happen? I'm just wondering if I'm I'm just wondering if Foles forced the hand essentially. Um, it would surprise me a little bit if he did, but at the same time, again, like if you're if you're the Eagles, you're already cap strapped. You're cap strapped for 2019. Why do the deal? Yeah, and and now if you think about it, it seems kind of curious that he had that interview a few days ago where he said, I want to be a star, or last week, whenever it was, where he said on a Texas uh, radio or right. news station, I want to be a starter in this league. And then a few days later, they gave him a big bonus. So I, I think what you're saying is maybe, I don't know if likely is the right word, but I think it's very possible that the his agent called up the Eagles and was like, 
you know, there's a chance that he has to start again this year, and we we like some money to make it look like he's a starting quarterback. Yeah, and if I'm the Eagles, I'm saying, yeah, that's great. I mean, you signed a contract. Yeah. Hey, what are you gonna do? And so I'm just wondering. I don't think Full was the type that would have made it ugly. I don't think he would have demanded it necessarily, but they probably like strongly implied like, right? I mean, would very much like you to give him some incentive. Yeah. So I just thought, here. I just thought that was a little interesting that they decided to do that. Um, but I mean, look, we haven't seen the cap hit for Fools yet for this year. It's going to go up because of the signing bonus. Um, it's not going to go down. So he was at seven million before, so he's going to eat up another million or so in cap space. I think they're around six million in cap space right Pretty now. Pretty good position to be in going in the draft. Yeah, and the draft the draft picks will take up around a million dollars by the time you factor out the guys they'll be cutting to keep those picks. So they're in pretty good cap space when you think about five million bucks. It's right around where they were last year, I think, at this time. That yeah. gives them money to sign some veteran guys. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, last year at this at this time they hadn't signed Legarrette Blunt, Corey Graham, or traded for Ronald Darby. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you you think Howie is going to wait to see how the market plays out, see who gets cut after June first. See what guys are kind of hanging around you. Know, there's some running backs. If they don't get a running back they like in the draft, right? I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they signed a veteran guy for another year. All right. So speaking of running backs, let's let's talk about this because Howie uh, Roseman, Joe Douglas talked last week, and they kind of talked a little bit out of both sides of their mouth, which isn't surprising <laughs> because that's what their job is at this point. They don't want to give away. Don't want to show and, their hand. Right. They don't want to show their hand. They don't want to say anything. They'll make people think one way or the well, other. It's funny. We t- I think we talked about this uh, last week, but it, we both kind of had the same reaction. Like the initial comments we kind of grabbed onto, whereas a lot right. of other people grabbed on. Well, Joe's initial comments where he said, uh, you can get a running back later in the draft, whatever. And then later he kind of backtracked and said, if there's a guy that's good enough, we'll draft him in the first round. Exactly. And to me, the more I've thought about it, I don't think they're taking a running back in the first round. And I couldn't have been wrong just because they're in a position of luxury where they can just take their best player. But I think if I just don't see them using – I mean, Joe Douglas, you know, you look at Howie's draft history. I can't even think of the last time he took a running back extremely high. I mean, I'm looking at his moves now. Let me find it. I had it written down. Uh, you know, 2010, no running backs at all. 2011. Well, like Deion Lewis, maybe? Would that be the... Well, 2011 was Deion Lewis. That's in the fifth round. Uh, 2000, uh, fifth round. 2012, Bryce Brown in the seventh. 2013, no running back. 2014, no running back. 2016, Wendell Smallwood in the fifth. Um, and then 2017, Donald Pumphrey <laughs> in the fourth. And then also... Joe Douglas, he was a part of the Bears when they drafted Jordan Howard late. So I just think that when you look at these two guys and what they value, they've shown time and time again they're willing to kind of patchwork the the running back position. And I think that's the right way to do it. And although, yes, they do need a running back to um, to develop down the road, I think they view this running back position as a as something they can just plug and play. So they don't need a running back for 2018. They have J.H.I. and Corey Clement. But I think if you're talking about the number three, 32 overall pick, that's a prime asset, and I don't think they use it on a running back. So all this talk about Darius Geis, uh, Sonny Michelle, I think is how you pronounce his name. Is yeah, it, yeah, out of Georgia. <laughs> I mean, I just don't see it. I think if, if they trade down into the second round, possibly, but if they stick at 32, I don't think it's a running back. I honestly, you know, we've talked. you talked about this a little bit with the Saquon Barkley thing. Like, just historically, there's just time and time again – proven that you could take a guy later who oftentimes is ready to come in and play right away. So I, I don't even think it's necessarily locked that they draft a running back at all. I agree. In this draft, honestly. And it wouldn't surprise, like I mentioned, if, if they didn't draft a running back and they signed, there's some veteran running backs that are interesting on the free agent. C.J. Anderson's a free agent. Mm-hmm. Like They can sign a guy for a year, to have him fill the Garrett Blunt role, 
wait till next year, draft a guy in the in the second round next year, and had, have him step in with Corey Clement. I I just think there's just so many running backs out there, and you just don't need to use a valuable asset on it when you when you could use that on another position and add a running back later, and then right. you have both those positions as opposed to using it higher on a guy that you can get late. I don't know. I, I I've been very anti draft a running back early for a few years now, and I think it's been proven that's that's the right take. And I mean, look, like, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, but we don't know all their top thirty visits, but as of now, I think twenty or so have been reported. Only two have been running backs, Darius Geis and Richard Penny. And I think they brought Ronald Jones in, actually, if I'm not mistaken. So that's three running backs. <clears throat> pardon me. That's three running backs that uh, they've brought in. I mean, they, they met with a bunch at the Combine. Uh, Ronald Jones, uh, Royce Freeman out of Oregon. Bo Scarborough, a guy that I think, if he's there late, could be a pick for them. Um, here's your guy. I know you think. Uh, Naeem Hines out of yeah. NC State. Uh, and then Mark Walton out of Miami. So they, they have shown interest in you know using these you know, using formal interviews at the combine, using top 30 visits. I think there's interest there. But again, I just think when it comes down to it, they value so many other positions more than the running back position. Um, so, well, first, actually, before we move on, uh, you, you talked to me a little bit about, about, about Nye Himes, but why do, you, why do you think he's a fit for the Eagles? I mean, I know you've reported that they've shown a lot of interest. I mean, what is it about him uh, that you think um, the Eagles would like? Well, I think right now I, – I, they need a run. I know Corey Clement showed some flashes of being a really talented receiver, but mm-hmm. throughout his football career, he hasn't really been a pass catcher out of the backfield. Well, 100 yards in the I know. I'm saying, I'm, right. that's what I'm saying he's shown some right. ability and maybe that he's going in that direction now. But I, I think they could really use like a, a third running back who is a good pass catcher out of the backfield. Naeem Hines, he's small. He's like 5'8", mm-hmm. 190. And is he that? I don't know if he's that much different than Donnell Pumphrey from last year, to be honest. I, I, I'm, I'm, it seems like he's evaluated as a better talent. Uh, but he also adds value as a returner. He was a really good returner in college. Yeah. So, and they need a returner. I think he would be an interesting guy if they can get him in the I, best case scenario. You get him in the fifth round. If they had a draft in the fourth, I think that'd be okay value. He's he's good enough that I think he could develop into a guy that you know pairs up with Corey Clement next year and a veteran. So I I just think he makes a lot of sense for what they need and that you don't have to use as much draft capital on him, which is why I think they're so interested in him. Yeah, and the other thing about taking a running back at 32 is if you take a guy at 32 and then you don't end up picking the second or third round, that's a guy that you're really going to have to feature in this offense next year. I mean, this we all saw last year on the way to the Super Bowl, they didn't feature one guy. I mean, LeGarrette, Blunt, Corey Clement, Jay Ajayi, they were all – they were all sharing. I think touches. they were even in the Super Bowl. They all were pretty much around the same snaps. Right, exactly. So if you look at that, I mean, why are you going to use an asset like that? And I think that although with running back, I don't think they feel like they need to develop a guy. And that's kind of an opinion I've gotten pretty firm on over the last week. I used to think they should take one to develop, but now I'm pretty confident that they don't really need to. But there are positions they do need to develop at defensive line, offensive safety. line, safety, absolutely, safety. Maybe even receiver, depending yeah. what they still think of Matt Collins. I mean, there are and tight end. So there are positions where I think that you take a guy that you think could help you now, but also a guy that you think in 2019 is going to be playing a lot. And that's something Howie said earlier this week when he talked about how look what they did with Sidney Jones. Sidney Jones sat for a full year as a second round pick, but now you know they essentially are. Sidney Jones is essentially a rookie, and they're getting him it was, on. It was 15. a Sixer style redshirt. Maybe they're going exactly. through that model now. You get a guy whose value is you know, taken down because he might miss some games his first year, and uh-huh. he comes in and stars stars the year after. So I, I, I think I, w- I would be shocked if they don't draft at least one or two guys in this draft that are kind of like fit that mold. Maybe not necessarily injured, but right. you, you know you're not going to play them for a year. All right, so speaking of which, now that you've brought that up, let's just get into our seven-round mock draft. So we're, we're going to go through our mock draft, um, our predictions. We're, 
Do you have trades in yours? I don't have I trades. Do. In, you okay? He I have a pretty ridiculous trade. People got mad about, but I'll explain it. All right, and I'm probably rip you for it. But <laughs> all right, so I don't have trades in mine. I think there's a chance they do trade, but I'm gonna do mine as if they don't trade. Um, so speaking of what you just said, uh, you know, taking a guy that you think um, that they think could sit for a while and re- be really good in 2019, or a guy that presents good value, a guy that I've pretty much talked myself into as making a ton of sense for them as their first round pick. Frank Ragnow, offensive guard slash center out of Arkansas. Um, a guy that didn't play in 2017 because of an ankle injury, uh, but had he played, would probably be top 15, top 20 type pick. Um, at one point, he was considered one of the best offensive linemen, regardless of position in the in, in college football before that injury. Um, he can play all three interior line spots. Jason Kelsey, I was shocked when I looked this up. Only been in the league eight years. Feels like he's been here for forever. But still, I think he's a guy that – his days in Philly are are kind of kind of numbered. He almost so, got cut last year. Oh yeah, almost almost got traded last year. Um, you know, Wisniewski, a little on the older side, played really well. Obviously, Brandon Brooks are set at one spot. So I think um, you know, Ragnow, six five, three hundred nine pounds, and this this stat I thought was pretty surprising. Uh, thirty three games, twenty six hundred snaps prior to uh prior to his injury, didn't allow a single sack. So has has really you know proven it at the college level is a value pick because it, he if he played last year, he probably isn't there at number 32. And he's a guy that can sit for a year, you develop, and then you plug him in in 2019 along really an offensive line that I think is top of the list of positions they need to uh, develop and prioritize. And it fits, the, fits their mold of valuing certain positions. They like to invest high assets and high money into defensive line, quarterback, and offensive line. So I think it's going to be an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman. When I look at the way the board's going to shape out, I think Frank Ragnow, as of now, is going to be, in my opinion, if he's there, their first-round pick. Yeah. Before we, had, we talked about him this week. I'd never really heard about him before uh-huh. we mentioned him, and I started reading up on him. And sounds like he's really athletic and play multiple positions. And yep. seems like he's rising draft board. So I, that, that's a very intriguing pick. All right, so, so you would have traded yours. So, yes, and uh, I'll go into it saying this trade's not going to happen. I know it's ridiculous, and it prob- the, Eagles okay, probably have to give up more. the Eagles would have to give up more than I initially put on here. I was just trying to kind of have some fun with it. but We, we all know how he wins every trade. Exactly. What can't he pull off? Let's hear, let's hear now what he's going to pull so off. So what, what I have down, and again, I, I, the Eagles would have to give up more for this to even be remotely possible. But <laughs> All right. So the Colts have like a million draft picks. I'll just, I just want to list off their like first three rounds. They have 6, 36, 37, 49, 67. Like okay. that's a lot in the in the top 70. And I I I just thought if there's a guy that they really really want at the at the end of the first round, they have they have enough draft picks they can trade multiple and still have a lot of picks available. So again, this I, All I, right. the more <laughs> Frank 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 Reich, Frank Reich helps him out. Frank Reich. Okay. So I, I those two second round picks, thirty six and thirty seven. I, I thirty six and thirty seven yeah. for thirty two. I, I I know. I Little know. unrealistic, but all right, we'll we'll just go with it. I, I mean, just, you do get the fifth year option. At the, 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 uh, the Eagles would have to put more into the deal, and I, I realize that I should have included that. If mm-hmm. something like this is going to happen, it won't. Well, just for fun, let's go ahead. Who yes. who'd you have at thirty six? We can talk <laughs> about p- potential <laughs> second round guys. I had uh, Tyrell Crosby, an offensive tackle from Oregon. All right, and, and I had uh, safety Je- Jesse Bates from Wake Forest. With Crosby, he's he's kind of raw, but he's very athletic. I think he's pretty highly regarded, and he's a guy that would sit for a year, learn from Jason Peters, then compete with Hal Vitae next year. I'm not mm-hmm. going to try and say his first name. Hal Vitae. All right. So I, I really like him and his potential. I don't, I don't know if you want to use the number 32 pick on him. The Eagles might have to if they don't trade back mm-hmm. kind of thing, if they like him enough. And then Bates. He had a big senior bowl, too, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. They they like their senior bowl guys. And then Bates, I really like. He, he kind of – 
he has the ability to play right away, I think, on special teams and help, and mm-hmm. he can cover the slot a little bit. He's got pretty good size, and uh, he put I don't have his numbers in front of me, but he had pretty good numbers at Wake Forest, and I think he's a guy that would be intriguing as, like, developed to replace a Rodney McLeod and uh, Malcolm mm-hmm. Jenkins sort of. What do you think of those players? So, I mean, trade? Crosby I like. Um, I think, again, kind of on the same note of who I took with Ragnow, yeah. I do think they need to draft and develop an offensive lineman, tackle specifically, although it is funny how we all think that when Vitae played pretty well last year yeah. and helped them and win the like Super him. Bowl. Yeah. And then you have Lane. So, I mean – I still think, though, I mean, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, but, like, they do like Taylor Hart as a potential development guy. So, I mean, they do have some pieces there at tackle outside of Jason Peters. But I agree. I think the tackle is a position they haven't invested a lot. Well, they haven't recently, at least. Draft t- capital, yeah. Yeah. So, I do think that offensive line's a high chance with their first pick. They trade out of 32, especially. Um Bates, a guy, I think, again, we've talked about this, but they need to develop a safety. Malcolm Jenkins or Rodney McLeod. They're not old, but they have a lot of their their cap hits really go up in two thousand nineteen. They've never really developed a safety behind them. Uh, there were those rumblings they were willing to trade Malcolm uh, last year. I mean, obviously, I think things changed a little just because you know he proved to be the captain on the Super Bowl team. Um, but Bates is a guy that I think you know could play corner, has the big size that they like out of him. I think he could fill in that Corey Graham role as a rookie. That was a role we talked about Daryl Worley playing, but now obviously he's not here. So I think Bates would make sense as both a developmental guy and somebody that you could uh, you could play right away. So in that fantasy world where they get those two picks, <laughs> I think that would be a good. I one. live in a fantasy world. So All right, there perfect. we go. So do you have them stealing a third round pick or well as well or no, no, no just, not until the fourth. They they, they get round, uh, picks in every round now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Colts just give them all the picks for number thirty-two. Frank Reich really liked his enjoyed his time here. Exactly. You know? All right, so fourth round, um, number number one thirty overall. Here's a guy. All right, they have shown a little bit of interest in him. I think you reported that they worked him out. They haven't brought him in for a visit. I don't believe. But P.J. Hall, defensive lineman out of Sam Houston State, uh, I think they need to draft a defensive tackle. I think that although they have Fletcher Cox and Timmy Jernigan, the third tackle spot is basically a starter. Uh, whatever you think of Elodie Nada, he's not going to be here in 2019. He will probably be retired in 2019. Um, so then you're talking about Elijah Qualls, Destiny Vial, those type of guys that you're developing. I think they like them, but I don't think they're crazy about them as they used to be. At the, I think they soured on Vial last year. And Qualls, I mean, yeah, he was a seventh-round pick, but he didn't play at all last year besides that Dallas game. And the Eagles have shown they're willing to play rookies. I mean, look what they did with Corey Clement. So I do think that they need a defensive tackle. Um, I wouldn't even rule out defensive tackle at 32 if they stay there. P.J. Hall, 60 tackles last year, 19 for a loss, six sacks, one forced fumble, and an interception. So kind of did it all. One thing Joe Douglas said was when they look at small school guys, they want guys that have dominated, and he did do that. And then one of my favorite things about Hall, and I think the Eagles will really like it, 14 blocked kicks while he was in college. (laughs) It's ridiculous. Yeah, which is insane, and that means he's going to be able to play right away on special teams. And I think the special teams took a bit of a step back last year at the beginning of the year, so I think you'll see them invest a little bit more in it. So my pick in the fourth round, P.J. Hall, defensive tackle, Sam Houston State. Well, it's funny. I actually have him at – I have the Eagles picking him at 132 a couple picks right. later. So you and have him falling. Yeah. I, <laughs> falling, yeah. Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm really high. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie and pretend like I've watched a lot of his tape, but, like, you look at those numbers, and, I mean, I, I have his pro day numbers here in front of me. He right. ran a f- high four sixes. He's over 300 pounds. Yeah. 40-yard dash. And uh, he had a 38-inch vertical. And I think his bench press, 36 reps on the bench press. Like, this dude's a physical yeah. freak of nature. I know that doesn't always pan out when you just draft a guy because he is a physical freak. But just reading the scouting reports and what people think about him, like, he can also 
you know, his first year he could be a pass rushing specialist and come in at defensive end as needed. He right. might need, he might need to get in better shape, but I just I really like the fit there, and, and they they've shown a lot of interest in him from what I've heard. And with with the number one thirty pick, I have Naheem Hines, who I kind of already touched on before and why he fits. Yeah, so. let me say one more thing on Hall before I move on to my fourth round. Another one of my fourth round picks. Hall fits a nice combination for them of production, which I think last year you saw in the draft they really valued. Derek Barnett, all time leading sack guy at uh Tennessee. at Tennessee, uh Donald Pumphrey, ton of production. Um so I think Hall fits the combination of small school guy that dominates, tons of production, but also a freak athlete. So I do think he he'll he will be high on their board. Um so you had them taking the running back, you already talked about him, but so as of now you have them going uh offensive tackle, uh your second pick was a safety, um, then Hines yeah, and then uh DT. And then defensive tackle. All right. Well, so for my pick, this is only my third pick. Um, <laughs> fourth round, number 132. Kaiser White, safety out of West Virginia. From everything I hear, they really like them. They've shown they like West Virginia guys, even though that hasn't really panned out, <laughs> you know, a ton. Uh, good size for a safety at 6'2". You know, I was reading some scouting reports, and some teams saw that thought that he might play linebacker, and I think he's a little undersized for that, but it just speaks to how physical he was at the line of scrimmage. And important thing to remember is last year, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, Malcolm Jenkins was not lined up at linebacker, but in a linebacker-type setting, 42% of his snaps. So I think that um, if you're talking about developing a guy to take over for Jenkins, I don't know if White has the man man coverage skills. Uh, he could or he could not. I just don't – you don't see that a lot in his um, – in his scouting reports, but I do think White does a lot of the same things Jenkins does. Very physical player, and they've shown they like West Virginia guys. So 94 tackles, seven and a half sacks for a loss, three interceptions last year. Good production, good size. I think he makes a lot of sense for them. And again, to develop a safety. So that that's my fourth round pick. What do you, who do you? All right, so fifth round now, right? That's yeah. where you're at. All right, where are you at? Fifth fifth round pick 169. Who are you going with? I I know. You've been big on this guy for a while. I have them taking Dalton Schultz. Oh, man, that's my Stanford. pick. Oh, same pick. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll right, go first ahead. on why I think so. I, I mean, beyond the fact that he's close to Zach Ertz, I think they've worked out with each other. Yep. He, they need a blocking tight end. Like, they don't have one right now. Richard Rodgers is not that. Billy Brown is a mm-hmm. preferred wide receiver. He probably never had a block in college. Right. Uh, so I, I think he makes a lot of sense as a guy that can come in and develop. He He'd spend a lot of. T- I mean, I I know maybe it's over over hyping a little bit, but I think it is valuable to have a guy who comes in with a pre-existing relationship with a guy he's going to learn from. Yeah, and uh, you know he's not a great pass catcher. I think he had 22 catches his junior year and 23 is no 20 22, 22 his junior, 23 his sophomore yeah. year, 22 last year, five for total touchdowns. Yep. So he's not really a pass catcher, but I think he can catch it if need be. Yeah. But he, he he comes in. His value is as the replacement for Brent Selleck, and you have him under contract for a few years, and him and Zach Ertz kind of pair up, and they, they have that chemistry already. And I think that's very intriguing, and he's kind of the perfect fit for what they need. Yeah, I agree well, with all that. The only thing I would add is, look like you mentioned, probably the best blocking tight end in the draft, which allows him to get on the field right away. Um, I think when you look at the tight end position, how many are they going to keep? So you're going to have Ertz, you're going to have Richard Rodgers. Presumably, I would say like 95% as he's going to be on the roster. So that's two. Last year, they carried three. They weren't willing to, they weren't willing to carry four. They might do it this year just because I don't know for sure they'll keep four running backs. I mean, they had five last year, actually. So And maybe I don't know what they'll do at receiver. But, um, yeah, I think there's a world where you could have Schultz and Billy Brown on the roster if Brown has a really good training camp. But I think Schultz is a guy that can come in, play right away. And I agree with you on the Ertz thing. I do think that will help him as a receiver. Um, all right, so we agree on the fifth-round pick. Sixth round, I'm going to go first in case you're copying me again. Sixth <laughs> round, I have Tremont Smith, cornerback out of Central Arkansas. Do you have him? No, I don't. All right, perfect. S- same position, but. <laughs> All right, so here's a guy that, again, small, smaller school, 41 tackles, five interceptions, 11 pass breakups, 
good size at six foot um, for a corner. Not you know not six two six three, but still decent size. Um, and again, kick and punt returner. He's shown the ability to do that. He has the potential to help him in that area. And you know I know it's not one of the twenty two starting positions, but it's a big big deal. I mean a kick and punt returner. You know you touch the ball four or five times a game, if not more. Um, so I think it's a big deal that the Kenyon Barner is not going to be back. I thought last year he kind of dipped as the season went on. Who knows what they're going to do with Sproles. I still believe he'll be back, but I'm not sure he's a guy you want back returning kicks and punts at this point in his career anyway. So I think Tremont Smith could help you in that role. Also develop as a guy um, just in case one of your top corners don't work out. So I think that that's my sixth-round pick. Tremont Smith, cornerback out of Central Arkansas. My, mine's a similar idea. I, I had Greg Stroman, the corner from uh, Virginia Tech. He – He's extremely productive. I know you talked about mm-hmm. it. Eagles love bringing guys in that have showed a lot of production in college. He had, uh, let's see, he had nine interceptions in his last three years, including you know two defensive touchdowns. Right. He's a really good kick returner. He had four punt and return touchdowns in his career. And uh, I mean, if you just look at the scouting reports and the numbers, like he he's a pretty good cornerback. He's just small. He, I think he weighs like one eighty pounds or one hundred seventy pounds, so he has to bulk up. Yeah. But they don't need him to come in and play right away at cornerback. And I think he's he's a guy that maybe has some talent to eventually become a player at corner. But even more than that, he can come in and play. They need they like guys who can come in and play right away, and he can do that as their he can step in as their punt returner. Yeah. So to me, it's interesting the whole cornerback position because on one hand you would think they don't need one at all. On the other hand, they've shown a lot of interest in guys, and I wonder if that maybe you know is a sign that a trade is coming. We're going to talk about trades in a few minutes, but or just that they won't re- they don't plan on re-signing Darby. Also. Right. Yeah. And then I mean Sidney Jones, even though I'm very high in him. You know, I mean, didn't play at all last year. Coming off an Achilles injury, you don't completely know. Top 30 visits, they brought in Mike Hughes, Dante Jackson, Tremont Smith, who I just mentioned. And then they had a ton of formal combine, uh, formal interviews with the combine. Jair Alexander out of Louisville, Duke Dawson out of Florida, Tavares McFadden out of Florida State. So they've shown interest in cornerbacks. Um, and I think you're going to see them take at least two secondary members in this. Whether they're safeties or corners, wouldn't surprise me at all if you see a lot of secondary uh, taken in this draft. Um, for my seventh round pick, so you you only have one more pick left, right? Yeah. All right. So mine, I only have one pick left too. Seventh round, two fifty. Uh, Jeremy Reeves, safety out of Southern Alabama, really, really killed it at the Senior Bowl, and they value Senior Bowl production or performance. I mean, guys that go there and do well, the Eagles normally show interest in. Then he has the stats to back it up. 104 tackles. Sorry, yeah, 104 tackles, seven sacks, three interceptions in 2017. Uh, a little undersized at 5'11", which is probably why he falls. But at 205 pounds, he's he's got the muscle mass there. Um, I think if they don't take a safety early on, you could see them really take him uh, to, to, to develop. Guy. Yeah. So I, that's that kind of caps off my draft. Um, who who was your last pick? So I don't I, have a running back. I, I've been kind of sticking with this guy in my seven round mocks. Uh, I right. Jermaine Carter, linebacker from Maryland. Maryland yep. He's a guy that they had in for one of their official visits. What's Kind of says a lot considering he's projected by many to either be undrafted or a seventh right. rounder, and that means they at least were interested enough in him that they. I think it means they're extremely interested. Yeah. It's just a matter of if, if he's, he's there, there or what, like there's got to be there's got to be something there, and you know he, he's pretty undersized. I think he's like he's six foot and like two thirty, which isn't mm-hmm. ideal, but at that point in the draft, you're you know you're th- th- there's a reason why those guys are falling that far. He was extremely productive at Maryland. I think he had over three hundred tackles his last three years, almost thirty tackles for loss, ten sacks interception like he, yep. he's kind of a playmaker and a guy that will fly under the radar and at minimum he can be you know an insurance for Jordan Hicks getting hurt and a special teams contributor and at best maybe becomes a contributing player down the line so I, I think he's a, he's a guy that you take a flyer on in the seventh round and if he doesn't stick you cut him like it's not that big of a deal yep all right so to recap I don't have any trades in mind but for now assuming they don't make any trades 
Frank Ragnow, the, so I have a guard, a, t- a defensive tackle, a safety, a tight end, uh, a cornerback, and a safety. So I have a secondary heavy draft, um, but I think it, f- it fills a lot of needs. You have that ridiculous trade with the Colts, <laughs> and then so how would you end up Then with? I have Tyler Crosby, Jesse Bates with those two Colts picks, uh, mm-hmm. P.J. Hall, Naheem Hines in the fourth round, Dalton Schultz in the fifth, Greg Stroman, corner in the sixth, and linebacker Jermaine Carter in the seventh. All right, so maybe we'll get one of those right based on what actually happens. <laughs> Between but all the players we both just Exactly, yeah. All right, so before we wrap this up, um, I did just talk about trades. Even if we're not talking about trading number 32 overall for more picks, I do think you'll see a very active trade market with the Eagles. Someone tweeted me over under two and a half trades for Howie. I'm taking the over. It wouldn't, if you told me they didn't select at any of their current slotted positions – I wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me. I think you're going to see how he wheel and deal a lot. You know, combining picks to move up, moving back a slot or two to pick up another pick late. Uh, Joe Douglas clearly values late round picks. He mentioned last week how in the Super Bowl, 22 starters were uh, third round and later. So I think that they will value those picks. Um, on the current roster, who do you think are the candidates most likely to be traded? So. It's interesting. I, I looked up all the draft day trades Howie Roseman has made since uh, 2010 when he was like officially named general manager. Right. 23 draft day trades, which is really lo- a lot. And how many years? And that's, that's about almost three per year. Right. So so take the over. <laughs> <laughs> so the interesting thing is that they really haven't traded players on draft day very often. It's either like you know the week before or a week or two after, and you get a conditional pick for like right. a guy. The only, I think the one, only one I could find that was like on draft day was when they traded uh, Bryce Brown to the Bills for a seventh round pick. They traded Asante Samuel to the Falcons a day before the draft one year. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that's interesting. I don't know if necessarily predicts like, future no, transactions, it, yeah. but it, I found that interesting. But yeah, I think the obvious one is Michael Kendricks. Uh, he's eternally on the trade block. I mean, yep. people have joked he's been on the trade block for 15 years or something. <laughs> like, exactly. I, I still think they're probably going to move him. I don't know if they it's as necessary like right now when you consider they just cleared all that cap space with Brandon Brooks. Mm-hmm. But if they can get like a, a fifth-round pick for him, I don't, I don't even know if they can get that high of a pick considering everybody knows he's on the block. But if they can get that, I think they do it. And, uh, you know, besides that, you know, you talked about corner. I think Ronald Darby is someone to watch. I don't necessarily think they're going to trade him. But if they don't plan on resigning him next year, I think – and if they see a guy, you know, they can get a corner that they like that can come in and play right away, maybe, maybe you look at that. Yeah, I think if they take a guy at 32, you could see Darby. Yeah, yeah. and then Darby beyond on. that, I think on, on a smaller scale, I think there's guys that aren't a guarantee to make the roster that you – I could see them trading for, like, a conditional late pick, like Isaac Samalo, offensive yep. lineman. He's young. He can play multiple positions. Sucks. <laughs> Not good, but, yeah. I mean – they traded like Alan Barbie a few years ago for a seventh round pick, not on draft day, but yeah. Uh, I mean, a guy like Wendell Smallwood, uh, he has experience as a starting running back. You know, a, a Nick, Foles, seventh Nick Foles. And we talked about a little, but huh. official prediction is he here this time next week? Yeah, I think he is. I think so too. I agree. I, I don't think they end up moving Foles. Um, there's just too many corn- quarterbacks are probably going to go in the first round for a team to be willing to give up a value or an asset the Eagles are willing to move. Um, so I think he could. He's going to stay here. Darby, you know, I. I'm torn. Um, I think that he could be traded, but I don't feel very strongly about it. And Kendricks, to, honestly, I don't think he'll be traded just because every year they say they're going to trade. <laughs> you know, it's reported they're going to try to trade him, and they never do. So, at the very least, until it actually happens, <laughs> yeah. So I just feel that even though the draft lead up to it has been a little boring, I have a feeling it's going to be a very exciting. exciting next few days. Lots of new, you know, obviously lots of new players. I'll be in I mean, Dallas. Yeah, you'll be in Dallas. I'll be here at the Novacare enjoying it in the uh, auditorium, <laughs> enjoying that cafeteria food. So, uh, yeah, all right. So we will have a podcast for you. They're going to pick on Thursday. Depending what happens Thursday, maybe Friday. If not, hold it to Saturday and recap the whole thing. But definitely for you at some point this weekend. And uh, all right, Zach, we will see how many of these picks we get right. <laughs>